Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Kurana and welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, we thought that a number of the organisations who were putting their hand up for this opportunity had some really great strengths and, and thought that they were good enough to be uh, on the field in 2021, but obviously New Zealand rugby um, disagree. The Pacific Island community reacts to another Super Rugby snub. The Cook Islands Games gathers pace and the Pacific Mini Games set for further delay. But first... There's disappointment among the rugby community that next year's Super Rugby Aotearoa will not include a Pacific Island franchise. New Zealand Rugby confirmed last week the 2021 competition would have just the same five teams. NZR Chair Brent Impey says none of the Pacific team bids were both competitive on the field and financially sustainable off it. Marnie Dunlop spoke with the Chief Executive of Pacific Rugby Players, Aidan Clark. It's uh, obviously very disappointing. Uh, we thought that a number of the organisations who were putting their hand up for this opportunity had some really great strengths and, and thought that they were good enough to be uh, on the field in 2021, but obviously New Zealand rugby um, disagree. So, yeah, from a player's perspective, it's pretty disappointing. We just hope now that um, the following year, 2022, we can uh, get a plan in place and get a team out on the field. What, what, what would a plan look like? Oh, it obviously has to be a number of things. Um, putting together a playing roster that's going to be competitive is tough in this COVID-19 uh, environment, but also financially having the backing to be sustainable. Um, nobody wants a, a hodgepodge team to take the field and we want them to be competitive from the start. We understand that, uh, but we did think that that was possible in 2021. And I know that all organisations who have been working on this have been um, getting good financial sustainability in behind them uh, to ensure that it's a long-term success. So do you disagree, I guess, with New Zealand Rugby's Brent MP, who said that none of the bids were competitive on the field and sustainable off the field? What I'm hearing is that you were working to ensure that those t- those boxes were ticked. Yeah, well, obviously Brent and Robbo and, and, and Nigel Kasten, so have been doing a lot of work and, and there's certain... Uh, parameters that they're trying to meet. We understand that. Um, haven't had a, a really good conversation with them yet since the announcement, but um, it would be good to understand that. Um, we're disappointed. Like I said, I, I thought that uh, a number of organisations, which there was a, a Fiji-led group, there was a Moana Pacifica group out of Auckland and a number of others who were really ticking some boxes and um, fingers across that we'd be able to get that across the line so that uh, players had more opportunity um, for contracts in this environment, but also uh, a great product to have a Pacific Island team out on the field during Super Rugby. And what about competitive-wise? You know, you mentioned those players. Are there enough players around who aren't already con- contracted to Super Rugby franchises to make up a competitive team? Uh, yes, we believe so. Um, outside of the current New Zealand contracted players, there's some um, very talented Pacific Island players playing through the Mighty 10 Cup. Plus, um, by early next year, we would hope that possibly... Um, the uh, Pacific Island players who are on island at the moment could have an opportunity um, to be part of it as well. So plenty of talent um, and people will understand that um, sort of nearly over 50% of, of the current Super Rugby contracted players are Pacific Island um, sent anyway. That's Pacific Rugby Players CEO Aidan Clark speaking with Marnie Dunlop. 
One of the prospective bids was based in Fiji and modelled on the Fijian Indrua team that won the Australian National Rugby Championship in 2018. Head coach Senarusi Siravakula believes a local team would be immediately competitive in an expanded Super Rugby competition. We've got a lot of talent here in Fiji and they needed competition like that, like Super Rugby and competition like the NRC. That was a big uh, opportunity for the local players to play in those kind of uh, competitive uh, competition and to be included and into the Super Rugby. That's, that's a big bonus for them because of the talent we have here and the players, they are going overseas to get contracts, but to keep them here in Fiji, it's a good way that we have our own talent here in Fiji. And rather than relying on uh, getting an overseas player to play for the Flying Fijians, rather than we just have a pool of players here in Fiji and playing competitive competition like the Super Rugby. How quickly do you think a Fijian side could be organised? Because I guess you've got that... Uh, base of the Latui of the Idrua that you could basically grow it from so you've got a fair idea I guess of the sort of players you could attract and you think of someone like a Frank Lamani that was playing under you in Fiji has been at the Rebels this year you know someone like that would be an obvious candidate to to maybe come back home and and maybe some other you know well-known Fijian players offshore as well. Yes a a lot of uh, players overseas the, the, the problem here in Fiji, it's, the competition is not professional. And a lot of these players, which we did not talent ID, and then they go to overseas, and then they've been picked from that, those, those countries like New Zealand or Australia or Scotland or England. There's a big numbers of talent here in Fiji. And then we contract a lot of them. To have a team playing in, in a super rugby or professional team, it's going to help us rather than talent in ID and players are overseas. We can be hey, contracted them here rather than contracting them in top 14. It will be a good foundation for the, for the flying Fijian. How competitive do you think a Fijian side could be in 2021 or in 2022? Would it take long, in your opinion, for them to, to get up to a standard where they could compete alongside like a Hurricanes or a Blues or a... Uh, 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 Crusaders and, and you know give them a good game. It's uh, for, for example uh, like what we did in the Andrua uh, 2017 our first year and we in the top four and then the following year we won the competition. The the, the main thing that the, the the local players needed is to have the confidence to be playing in a professional uh, competition and and to be training in a professional environment. It will be just quickly how the, 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 how they gonna get onto the top because if you look, you look at them, a lot of local players they, they go to overseas. We do not track them or to cap them in the Warriors, and they they're wearing the black uh, all black jersey. They're wearing the Wallabies jersey. They're wearing the England jersey. There's a lot of talent, but to get them onto the top, we just need a good competition, give them confidence that they can come out on top. And so you mentioned that um, you've been talent IDing and helping provincial sides in the Fijian domestic competition for the last three, four months, obviously, because there's been no NRC or, or no rapid rugby. Um, w- w- when you look at the players coming through that competition, I mean, how many of them do you think are good enough to be professional rugby players if there was an opportunity for a, such a team? There's a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of new players come up every every year. A lot of new players. If Frank Lomani retired this year, there will be another another halfback better than Frank Lomani in the following year. And what I've been doing for the past uh, three months uh, is talentizing them and then uh, bringing them into into camps to upskill their, their their training and giving them hope 
that maybe next year we'll have a stronger competition or the draw of the Latui because a lot of them are signing contract right now going into the America in the Super League. So we we can't stop them. We can't stop them. And uh, But what I'm trying to do to them, to bring them in and giving them hope that come next year they will be selected and they've already been talent ID. From your perspective, you've been coaching the Ndrua and the Latui. Um, do, do you know if either of those competitions are likely to go ahead in, in 2021? And, and if not, then what does that mean for the players? At the moment, there's no confirmation to be included in the Super Rugby. Uh, but it's it's in the media uh, all over this week, last week. And like I said, if this really happened, we, we really need to be in the competition, in, in a professional competition, a very strong competition, playing against uh, international test players. And that's what uh, the local players here in Fiji really needed. Because if it happened, uh, the majority of the, of the players making into that side will be local. But it will lift the Fiji rugby, lift in, in a big way. And I, I guess the other question is, you know, financially, is it affordable? Uh, previously, to have a new Super Rugby franchise, I think it was like 18 million New Zealand dollars, 10 million US dollars. There was a huge barrier, I guess, financially for anyone to, to join the competition. They needed a lot of money to show that, I guess, they had that money. Um, does this feel affordable for Fiji to establish this franchise and have these players all being paid and contracted in terms of sponsorship, uh, business interests and logistics and all that? Do you, does Fiji Rugby have the ability to, to service all that? To be honest, it's going to be hard for Fiji Rugby, but to go through and getting all those contracts, Fiji Rugby needs uh, backing from the government and need backing from bigger sponsorships from uh, companies. Uh, to get all those across the, the board. Because this, if it happens, this is the first thing for Fiji Rugby, getting big contracts for, for big players to play for that uh, Fijian team. Because it hasn't happened for the draw. They only get uh, allowances for Latui, only allowances and for flying Fijian. They never contracted. They only get allowances. So to make this happen, it, it's, it's a new thing for Fiji Rugby. That's Fijian rugby coach Senderosi Siravakula. The Cook Islands Games are underway on Rarotonga with 3,000 athletes competing across 24 different sports. The event was last held in 2015 but has been a welcome return in the COVID-free Cooks with the global pandemic putting a halt on most international sporting competitions. The assistant competition manager for Lawn Bowls, Jason Lindsay, says they had to begin last week because of such a huge turnout. In total, we have 110 bowlers, uh, 55 men and 55 women, um, which is a huge increase. Uh, normally, we wouldn't see this kind of number in our normal nationals events, um, so we've actually grown by participation with two extra islands that don't normally compete. And the nationals would normally be a, an annual event? The nationals are an annual event. Uh, in actual fact, they're taking place in November this year, um, over the middle period of November for two weeks. And what do you put down the the added interest uh, in this competition? Is it just obviously in this COVID nineteen environment? Even though not in the Cook Islands technically, um, is it just the excitement and interest in sort of reviving these Cook Islands games and and just people wanting to be involved, perhaps? Yeah, there's definitely a huge buzz on the island at the moment. Um, a lot of interest in the sport. Um, there's a huge health movement going on on the island at the moment. Um, a lot of different fitness activities that um, locals can get involved with. 
Uh, and I guess this just helps to emphasize that kind of drive that's happening at the moment. Um, and COVID doing what it's done internationally has helped everyone kind of be available for it. And in terms of the 110 bowlers taking part over the fortnight, uh, are they all regular bowlers? Are there some that might be trying the sport for the first time? I believe that the island of Penryn, their entire team are brand new bowlers. So they began training um, roughly about two months ago. Um, so we help to get them coached up as much as we can before the games. And also the formation with some new additions to the island of Palmerston, um, who have some new bowlers that came through business leagues and also um, through a local CITC competition and got some interest from those and decided to join up when the Palmerston team was formed. You've also been playing these matches, or all of the competitive matches for the Cook Islands Games in the evenings? We have. Um, so during the week we play them uh, at 5 o'clock in the evening. Uh, we're fortunate enough to um, still have some floodlight facilities available to allow us to play into the night um, and also allows some athletes the opportunity to compete in other events so that they don't clash with them during the day. So there must be some pretty busy uh, competitors at these Cook Islands Games. There must uh, some people taking part in two, three sports. Very, very busy. Um, right across the board, I um, I know just for our island, Team Rarotonga, um, we have a few athletes that are playing in at least three or four different sports. Um, so it's huge and it's really good to see the competition um, growing and allowing people to be able to take part in different sports as they please. There certainly seems to be a lot of excitement and interest in these Cook Islands games. I think, you know, more athletes taking part than, you know, a typical Pacific mini-games, which of course is multiple countries and territories. This is, of course, just one country and a, a tournament that's been put together at very short notice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, being part of um, the National Federation and attending meetings as we're growing towards the start of these games, um, it's been huge. Um, and then again, at our official opening last Friday, receiving a message from the um, president of the International Olympic Committee, just acknowledging what we've been able to do here, um, all because we're COVID free. Is it sort of a situation at the moment that you know you, you drive down a street and you look to your left or right and there's a sport happening? There's you know 24 odd sports and almost no matter where you look on on island, there's probably something going on. Yeah, that's exactly the situation right now, and it was actually it's been like that for the last couple of months. You know, um, everybody's been really keen, everybody's been out practicing and having a go. So everywhere you drive in the evening and afternoon, you see people playing sport or taking part in some sort of sport activity. That's Jason Lindsay from Cook Islands Bowls. The Pacific Games Council has asked members to vote on a proposal to move the mini-games in the Northern Marianas to June of 2022. The multi-sport event was originally scheduled to be held in Saipan in the middle of next year, but has been delayed because of COVID-19, which has shut down borders and crippled the CNMI economy. Pacific Games Council CEO Andrew Minogue says they are trying to find a solution amongst a very crowded calendar. We've got uh, a proposal to take the mini-games into 2022, um, which would effectively be um, a 12-month delay from the originally June 2021 scheduled dates. You know the reason for that is, as well as anybody with, with COVID and the, the closure of, of the main revenue source uh, for the CNMI government, which is tourism. Um, and a lot of factors have worked 
against the ability of having the games at the end of 2021. So uh, just to refresh, you know, the June 2021 dates, not only have we got COVID um, and the problems that that's caused everywhere, but up in the CNMI, but we've also got the Tokyo Olympics effectively moving into that slot uh, going in July. So we've always been forced to look at changing our dates. We did look at the end of 2021, which would be you know, six months after the Olympics and still in the same calendar year that the mini-games were awarded. Uh, but the major difficulty with that is the schools and the availability of, of them for the athlete accommodation. Um, CNMI and, and SIPAN run to the United States um, school calendar and schooling system which, as you probably understand, only has a very short uh, shutdown over Christmas, New Year of something like 10 days. Their long break is over their summer, which is in the middle of the year. So the ability to have a December Games, like we did in Vanuatu in 2017 for our last mini-games, was really sort of blocked by the inability to get those those um, facilities that we need to accommodate all the athletes. So... We're now looking at uh, going into 2022. Um, it's not confirmed yet because we're canvassing the views of our members, bearing in mind that a lot of events have shifted. Um, you've got things like the World Athletics Championships that have moved from 21 to 22. We've got the Commonwealth Games, of course, in Birmingham, the UK. We've got uh, the Micronesian Games. There's just a lot of events that are happening, so we're looking at some dates that steer clear of all of those. Is it, uh, is it kind of at a point now where if it wasn't to be mid-2022, then it probably wouldn't happen? The, the government in um, the CNMI, the Torres administration, really do want to host these games. They got over the hurdle of the typhoon that hit them in late 2018. They looked at withdrawing. They came back to the table. We scaled the games down. They, they really do have a commitment to wanting to stage the games. And I think like all the games around the world, from Olympics down, um, you know, these, these events are being portrayed now as a real sign of you know, getting over COVID and moving on with our lives. And they still want to host the games. Um, 2023, of course, we've got our main games in the Solomon Islands. So the mini games do have to happen before 2023. So it's really in that first half, I think, of of 2022. And in terms of a timeline, so you're canvassing opinion from uh, all, all of your members. Uh, when, when would you? Yep. How, how do they express that? Is it just like an email, or is there like a form? Or and when, when would you expect to hear back from all of them? And, and when would you want to make a decision? Well, we've heard back from probably a third of them already. It's an official communication that's done by letter. They, they respond by letter or email, however they want to document it. And once we get, you know, a majority in support of, of moving the games to that period, then we'll go ahead and confirm it. So hopefully that will happen, you know, in the next couple of weeks. We're not rushing uh, our members over this. It's, it's, a, it's a big change. We acknowledge that. They have to consult with their stakeholders their different sports and so forth. Um, but hopefully we can get some certainty on this, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks, as I said, and, and move forward with the planning. Um, the most important thing is, um, if any of this is our hosts, the, the government in particular in the Northern Marianas, are committed, remain committed um, to hosting the Games. And we, as a movement, I think, feel quite obligated to help them as best as we can to 
to accommodate them, given that they've been through a lot with uh, COVID and also with the typhoon in uh, late 2018. It's, it's a real chance and opportunity to show our support for them as well. That's Pacific Games Council Chief Executive Andrew Minogue, and that's the World in Sport for this week. For more, head to our website, rnzi.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.